where are the mighty men? We're now living in a world whereby it's looking more and more dangerous. The Bible has already told us that in the last times, in the latter days, perilous times shall come. It is ever any time that men need to rise up and take their position in destiny. In destiny means take the rightful position and of course in doing so, move families forward, move communities forward, move entire cities, nations forward. Now is that time. Let us say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you and we honor you. We magnify your name for this short word we're going to be receiving today. Bless it, multiply it in our hearts by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. You see, friends, in the beginning, God created man. Let me repeat that statement. As simple as that statement is, and as, as often as you have heard that statement, today we can't take it for granted that everybody believes that. In the beginning, God created man. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. God says, let us create man in our own image. And in verse 27, the Bible says, in God's own image, God created him. And 28, he says, let them have dominion. So then, that tells us something quickly. We can't talk about man without talking about this reference point. The reference point of man is God. So if we attempt to talk about man without talking about this reference point, we are going to paint a picture for man to be dysfunctional. Let me take that again. In the beginning, God created man. God is the creator of man. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, Psalm 100, from verse 3, verse 3 and 4, it is he that made us, not we ourselves, the Bible says. So, if we want to talk about man, we must first start from his reference point, and his reference point is God. Any attempt to discuss man, in any particular dimension, whether the dimension of his character, in dimension of his nature, or the dimension of his activity, outside of the reference point, which is God, will lead to man being dysfunctional. And you and I can see that today across the Western world, across the globe, actually, whereby people that have said, well, they're leaving God behind. Some people have said they are post-Christian society. Some have left their foundational the foundation that brought them to where they are, as a result, man is now left undefined. And every attempt of man to define himself outside of the parameters of God leads to a caricature of the original creation, and the man becomes dysfunctional. Is any man still with me here? All right. So then, so let's talk about God a little bit, then we've got to talk about man. There's so many things to talk about God because number one, one of the things about God is that God is multi, multi-dimensional. So many things to talk about. Let me just mention three things that is relevant to this particular topic. Where is the mighty man? Where are the mighty men? The first thing we need to know, and I mentioned it already, God is the creator. Is the creator of the universe. God is the creator of the universe. Genesis chapter one, the very first chapter in the Bible, from verse 1 to 31, tells us that how God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. The entire universe is the works of his hand. Psalm 8 tells us that. God is the creator of the universe. 
But the point I really want to bring out there is in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the surface of the deep. In the original language of the Bible, now in the original, for some of us that are not very familiar with the Bible, and it's okay, it's okay, everybody started from somewhere. The Bible originally in the Old Testament was written in a language called Hebrew, predominantly, and slightly in another language called Aramic. In the New Testament, it's written in Greek, Greek language. So, of course, it's now translated into all other languages. It just happens that at that time, when the Bible stories were happening, those were the predominant languages. Are we still together? So, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when it says the heart in, 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 in English, the earth was without form and void, and darkness on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, is talking here in the original translation of confusion inside chaos. Confusion that are inside chaos. So now listen carefully, please, friends. Then the Bible says in verse 3 that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the process of creation started. And in verse 31, the Bible says that everything God had created, God saw it was very good. What is the point? This is the point. No matter where you and I are today, no matter how chaotic, how confused we might be, no matter how formless, void, empty our lives might seem to be, no matter how unfulfilled you might be in one particular thing, activity you are pursuing, no matter how confused we might be, no matter how chaotic our lives are, because we have come to God, who is the creator, it took him six days to bring beauty out of ashes. This same God that is here today then, that you've come to, can still bring beauty out of any ashes that you're facing. This is the reference point of God. That when we see ashes, when we see confusion, when we see chaos, when we see hopelessness, we don't lose hope. Because against all hope, we can believe. God can bring beauty out of ashes. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3. And there's no better time to believe that than now. When the world is coming out of the pandemic, we're having inflation, 8% inflation, 9% inflation. There's chaos everywhere. Canada happens to be part of the Commonwealth of Nations. Our sovereign in Canada is King Charles III. Okay? By implication, it means that we're connected to a country called United Kingdom. Presently, in the United Kingdom, they don't even have a prime minister. I mean, well, <laughs> we don't know who the prime minister is. You know, uh, we have a chancellor of Exchequer, which is like equivalent of the finance minister, holding a major economy, one of the economies of the, in, in the G7, resigned after 38 days or was sacked. We don't know which one is, you know, whether I was sacked or resigned or pushed or encouraged to go. After 38 days, then the prime minister comes up and says, two days, three days ago, said, she said, you know what, I'm going to be leading my party into the next election in 2025. Then two days later, she's resigned. And now, it's, it's, it's been said that the former prime, former prime minister, I don't know anyway, which one is former prime minister, but <laughs> Boris Johnson, because I don't even know which is the prime minister now, Boris Johnson is thinking of coming back. Chaos! You're talking about chaos, but it's also there's, there's chaos. But you see, in the midst of chaos, what are the chaos is 
macroeconomic, okay, or national, or citywide, community-wide, or the chaos is individual, or in a family, or in a relationship, this God can bring beauty out of that. The second thing we need to look quickly about God is that it's the almighty God. That has huge implications. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. This is God introducing himself now. Says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty. That's who he is. Now, this is the omnipotent God. That's what it means. Omnipotent God. That basically means the one that can do all things in all situations. It's all powerful. In other words, you know, when we say God is all powerful, we understand it. It's not that we don't understand it. But I prefer to say, to put it this way, because that's exactly what it means also, is the God of all possibilities. In other words, with him, there is nothing called impossible. Is the God of all possibilities. So this is the God with you on our side. The God of all possibilities. All right? The good news is that when, when we commit our lives to Christ and Jesus, we become a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not, it's not just the almighty God to us. It's also our Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Look at what it says. In 2 Corinthians 6, 18. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Says who? The Almighty. So when you and I commit our lives to Christ and put our trust in Jesus Christ, he becomes our Father. God is the Almighty. What is the implication of this? This is very interesting for me. I love this. The implication of God being the Almighty means God can open impossible doors to you and I. It means that as a man, certain seasons of your life you've wanted to step into, certain things you've always wanted to do, God can open the door for you. I know that at the end of this conference, whatever you though you are taught will not open. At the end of this conference, as you walk into next week, you will see those doors opening in Jesus' name. He's the one that opens the doors that nobody can shut. Because he's the Almighty. Number three, and let's close it on that. Number three, not only is God the creator of the universe, not only is he the Almighty God, he is a generous giver. Is the creator of the universe, number one, is the almighty God. Remember, we're saying, who, where are the mighty men? We can't talk about men without talking about the reference point, which is God. God is the universal creator, is the almighty God, and is a generous giver. One thing I love about God is, this. first, let's look at Luke 11, verse 13. Luke 11, verse 13. If you, oh, we and I have been evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more, how much more will our heavenly father give? But I'd like you to pay attention to the next things I'm going to say. Okay? So, God, as a father, by implication, is a giver. Somebody say, God is a giver. Oh, please say it one more time. God is a giver. Now, listen to this very carefully. God, in giving, is giving has some characteristics. You could call it signature that indicates that this is God. So let me give you three of those things to show you how God's giving, how it's different from the giving of any other being. Number one, God gives liberally. God is very liberal with his giving. Very liberal. In other words, God is the type of person that 
you will run into into Martins and you will say, you know, uh, it will say, can I, you say, maybe you, you want to buy, um, you order for a tea. You say, no, can I, can I get you something? And you say, oh, can I just have a small cup of tea? That's all I want. But that is contrary to the nature of God. It cannot give you a small cup of tea. It's not used, to, it can't do it. If to him to do that would be to deny himself. His nature is to give you the extra largest cup of tea in the place and it will be spilling over. Because his cup, your cup, will run over. Just in case you're wondering, where did I get this from? James chapter 1 verse 5. He says, if you ask him, he will give us liberally without reproach. Which also means that when God gives you something, he doesn't look at, he doesn't, you know, when this is you and I can say, you know, you see that shirt that man is wearing, I'm going to buy it for him. That is with reproach. But God doesn't do that. God lets you take the shine. He says, let your own light shine. So it is by you shining that people understand that what you are doing is bigger than you. What you're wearing is more expensive than what you can afford. Where you're living is bigger than your own concept. What you're eating is bigger than your affordability. Then people point to the God that made it happen for you. You see, stay with me. God is a liberal giver. Number two, God gives richly. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Number three, quickly, and this is the one I love the most. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He gives freely. So he gives liberally, he gives richly, then he gives freely. Those are the characteristics of God giving. Now, if I'm going to give to you, then, I mean, I, thank you, Jesus. If, if you get a Timothy and you want to buy, you know, a sandwich plus um, some donuts and, you know, some um, orange juice and apple juice and chocolate and, you know, hot chocolate and you say, oh, I'm pastor, sorry, I, I left my wallet. Then, if you left your wallet, you don't, <laughs> do you understand? Then you might as well forget your donuts, forget your this, just take a small cup of tea and go home. You know, that's the way man will behave. Since you've left your wallet, you have to leave your expeditions. But God does not behave that way. He gives liberally, he gives richly, then he gives freely. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things means all things. Freely gives us all things. I see this conference leads to somebody encountering God as the generous giver. Yeah. Now let me start closing by this now. As I'm bringing, I've been really bringing the first word before, the second word will come in a few minutes. Listen carefully. The implication of God being a generous giver is this. It means you must be expectant in this conference. God is here to give to you. Please come with expectation. All throughout this conference from tonight into tomorrow, be expectant. Can you tell your neighbor, be expectant? Yes. Oh, come and say, be expectant. Don't see this conference on also for you watching at home, okay, watching this broadcast. Please don't see this conference as an opportunity to escape from the routine. This is not an opportunity for you to escape the routine of life. This is a place where you've come for an encounter with a God that is the creator of the universe that can bring beauty out of ashes, the one that is the almighty that can open doors that are regular and doors that are impossible, and the one that is the generous giver, whereby he can exceed every expectation. After all, did the Bible says, now unto him who is able to do 
exceedingly abundantly far above that which you ask or think hallelujah now listen to this now God gives many gifts of course we know the best gift God gives is the gift of salvation giving us the son but if I were giving us the son let me say this to you one of the one of the series of very powerful gifts that God gives us listen carefully is that God gives us his nature God gives you and I his nature listen this is why it, where it ties to being a mighty man he didn't need to he created animals he created trees he created mountains he created seas they don't have his nature they reflect aspects of his characteristics according to the book of Romans but they don't carry the very image of God but God created you and I and out of his benevolence, he created you and I in his own image. And we're the only ones that are created in the image of God. I mean, you and I. Are you still with me, somebody? Now, quickly, why is this so important? You remember I said God is almighty. Is the almighty, and I said it means many things, omnipotence, all-powerful, but it means God of all possibilities. But because God is almighty and we're created in his own image, that is why you and I are mighty men. So the implication of this is that you are a mighty man. Listen carefully. Not just based on what you do, but first and foremost, you are a mighty man by nature. Before you do anything at all, even if you have not done anything, and even if what you have done is small, you are still a mighty man. Because that is your nature. Somebody say, it's my nature. My nature. Oh, come and say it like you believe it. Oh, one more time, declare it. It's my nature. That is your nature. Whatever what you have done is, you might, what you have done right now might look small. What, you might not have done anything at all. It is still your nature. That is your nature. You were created in the image of God. Mightiness is inside you. That is your nature. Can you touch yourself and say, it's my nature. My nature. Oh, one more time, declare it. It's my nature. That is who you are. The Almighty God is the one that battered you. You see, the, the advantage of a Christian is this. A Christian is not just the creation of God, which we have by the original creation. A Christian is also the redeemed of the Lord. So we are created and we are recreated in the image of Christ. So you and I are created in the image of the Almighty. And that means then, by implication, that you and I, were not weaklings. You are not a weakling. I said, you are not a weakling. Oh, I'm thinking to somebody on this side. You are not a weakling. I know I'm speaking to somebody on this side. You are not a weakling. You are not a weakling. You are not a weakling. Life might have thrown you down. They might be counting for you. Nine, one, two, three, four. But on the ninth count, you are going to stand up again. That's why the Bible says, do not rejoice over me, my enemies. For when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, light shall shine for me. You are not a weakling. Assure yourself I'm not a weakling. Life might have thrown you down in the battles of life. You might have been through some things. Maybe you lost a job or you're looking for a job. You don't have a job. Or right now, you know, you're in the family. Your wife is the breadwinner. And, you know, things are just not working out the way you want it to work out. Your expectations have not been met and so on and so forth. But assure yourself again, I'm not a weakling. 
You are not a weakling. You might even be here or watching online. You might be on welfare. It does not make you a weakling. Being on welfare does not change your nature. Your nature is still the nature of a mighty person. Come on, say I'm a mighty man. Come on. That's not a boast. That's a statement of fact. It's not a boast. It's a statement of fact. If a bird is telling you, I can fly. If an eagle was giving birth to you and said, I can fly. It's not boasting. It's just telling you what God wired in. God wired you to be a mighty man. Your person sitting next to you might not know you're a mighty man. Oh my God. But you are a mighty man. Come on, announce it to the person. I'm a mighty man. Announce it to the person again. I'm a... Oh my God, I thought you were telling three or four people around you. I'm a mighty man. I'm a mighty man. I'm a mighty man. I'm not saying I'm a mighty man based on the works of my hand. I'm saying I'm a mighty man by nature. That's my nature. I'm not a weakling. You are not a nuisance to society. Don't let them think you're a nuisance. You can't be cancelled. Now we live in a cancel culture. They cancel people every time on social media. You're too late. You can't cancel me. You can't cancel me. You're too late. You can't cancel me on social media. You can't cancel me on TV. You can't cancel me anywhere because it's my nature to be a mighty man. You are not a nuisance to society. You are not a liability in this country. You are a... You're a mighty man. If people are looking for mighty men, they don't need to look too far. They should just look at you because you are a mighty man. Not by the works of your hand, but by nature, you are a mighty You're a mighty man. You're not a nuisance. You're not a loser. Yes, some battles might not have gone the way you wanted to go, but you're not a loser. You're not a loser. You're not a loser. You're a champion. You're not a loser. You are not a loser in life. Yes, you might have been in some relationships that failed. That's all right. You might have been on some businesses that didn't work out. Pandemic might have closed one or two of your endeavors. That's all right, but you're not a loser. Amen. A failure is the one that says that, that quits at the last point of attempt. That's one as a failure. That quits at the last point of attempt. That's one. You know, when you do it and still work, you say, okay. My mentor told me many years ago, you know, you can't successfully write the story, the success story of people without having a chapter of failure in it. You need to, because that chapter of failure, don't see it as failure. See it as you pay the tuition fee to learn certain principles. Was the tuition fee? The tuition fee you pay was time to learn certain principles. Okay? You are not a loser. Oh, touch yourself. I encourage you. I'm not a loser. This is very important for the enemy to hear this. You are not a loser. 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 One thing you should take out of this conference is that you are not, you are not a loser. Life might look at you and say you're a loser. Your marriage might not be working. Your relationship might not be working. Some things might not have worked out for you, but it doesn't mean you're a loser. You're not, because by nature, you're already a winner. Hallelujah. And please note, you're not a failure. You might have failed some exams, failed some businesses, failed in some career. You know, people might have looked down on you, but you are not a failure. When you leave this conference, carry yourself with some confidence. Okay? Don't drop your shoulders. Straighten out your shoulder. All right? You're a mighty man. Touch yourself again and say, I'm a mighty man. So this is what I'm closing with now, Tony. Listen carefully. You're a mighty man by nature. That is indisputable. When God looks at you, he sees a mighty man. When Satan looks at you, he sees a mighty man. Please, when you look at yourself, See a mighty man also. Now, this is it now. So that's by nature. But now we are also here in this conference, not just to know what, who we are by nature, to also know 
how we can be mighty men in practice. See, it is our nature, but we also want to bring it into practice. That is who we are, but in our nature, it's practice. My mentor told me many years ago, 2008, he was in House of Praise. He preached, we had a conference called Making of Champions. The theme of that conference was Dominion. The first message he preached was a powerful message, and one thing he, he told us that I will never forget in my life because the change means that your nature is what determines your future. Your nature is what, once you miss it at the point of nature, you are, your nature, you are already limited. Because you can never teach a lizard to fly. To teach a lizard to fly means you have to change the nature. And you use the story of Nicodemus. So note, you are a mighty man by nature. Now the question then is now, let's now talk about how do I bring that into practice? So listen carefully to me now. The difference between your nature as a mighty man and the reflection of that nature in the works of your hands, that gap, once there's a gap, that's what leads to frustration. That's why you say to yourself, I know I can do better. Yes, you're right. Because the Bible says that a man that does not know how, his labor will weary him out. So the know-how, the practicals of how do I manifest the nature from the inside of me and bring it out, we'll continue tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, make sure you're here. We're going to continue on what to do to make your nature and bring it into practical dimension. Don't miss it tomorrow morning as we'll be continuing in the light.